0: Okay, good morning. Okay, we're going to talk, uh, hopefully this clicker will work, because I brought the mouse down here, we don't have the real clicker, so I'm going to try and click from here with the mouse that's supposed to be up there. Um, we are on part three, uh, or as I called it, part trois. You're supposed to laugh at that, that's my like, early morning French humour. What does that mean? Un, deux, trois, French. Un, deux, After we do the biblical finances, we'll do French 101. We'll start doing the Bible in French. It'll be hilarious. Okay, so you guys know who I am, but I will, since we're recording this, if people watch it, they know who I am. Um, parts one and two are available, so if you missed one or two, go watch them. I know Andy's um, kind of part two and a half is also uh, posted, so feel free to go check those out. Um, and I will send the slides out if anybody specifically wants the slides. Right now I'm just using the same... Uh, the same deck I can send them out to you guys. Um, disclaimer, you guys know this is for legal reasons. If I tell you something that doesn't happen, don't come and sue me. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so last time we talked about, the last two times we talked about income, um, which is kind of the basis of financials. If you don't have income, you don't have money to start unless you inherit a ton. Um, so go get a job. And we'll talk about that actually in a moment. Um, student debt being one of the important debt factors um, in trying to get a job is getting a college degree or uh, a master's degree, graduate degree. Um, but, so income is important. So for those of you who've come to me and asked about how do I get a job, how do I update my resume, do I have a LinkedIn profile, all those things, please keep sending me stuff and I'll be more than happy to edit and critique uh, and help you guys even with mock interviews or whatever it is. If you want to talk career paths, what should I go do? More than happy to have those conversations. Tithing we've talked about, I'm happy to report that the church's finances are in pretty good shape. I mean, not extraordinary, but um, you guys have um, heeded the call. Um, so please continue to give to God what is, that, what is due to God. Expenses, um, and I know Eric, you sent me some uh, a chart that I do want to spend some time with you on. Um, you guys really should do an audit of your expenses, like your burn rate. Where is your money going? Where is it disappearing? Um, if you don't know, you're probably spending more than you can afford. So write it down, get a spreadsheet, find out you know, how much you're spending on rent, how much you're spending on taxes. Maybe you don't know how much you're going to spend on taxes. You'll get a nasty surprise in April. Um, what are you spending on just going out? What are you spending on clothing? All these other things, medical bills. So unless you have that run rate and know where your money is going, you're flying blind and you can't make a budget. Right? Budget has to be based off of some reality, and the only reality you have is the recent history of your expenses. So spend you know, a few hours just collecting whether it's credit card bills, bank statements. And it doesn't have to be super precise, like not within a dollar, but within like you know, 10 or 50 bucks, it'd be nice to know what are the line items. And I'll, I'll give an example. Um, if you're subscribed to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Apple TV, what all the other ones are, do you need all of those? They're all cheap, $9.99 a month. But if you have five or 10 of them, do you actually consume that much media? I'm not saying you should go like borrow someone else's Netflix account, um, but there again, these things, subscriptions are very um, subtle because they get you hooked to magazines or subscriptions of online stuff and then you just, it just comes out of your account. So audit all that stuff. Where's the money leaking towards uh, is important to do. So today we're going to talk about debt. There's good debt, And I would put, as an example, mortgage. So when you buy an apartment, buy a house, and you most often can't afford it cash, you have to put some of your money down. That's your down payment, the equity you put in, and you have to borrow the rest. And these days, most of the time, it's 20% down and 80% borrowed. That tends to be the standard mortgage. If you can put more down, great, um, although there's some trade-offs there. Um, But that's usually considered good debt because you're buying an asset that you're actually living in, and usually an asset that over time appreciates. New York being one of those markets that does fluctuate, but over time has increased quite a bit. And it's very, a very tax-efficient debt as well, because there is some deductibility of the interest. So it's, uh, it's more of an investment than necessarily debt. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. Then there's what I call neutral debt. Um, it can go either way, right? Student debt. If you get in debt to go get a great diploma that has a fantastic earning potential and career ahead of it, probably worth it. If you get a degree that has no earning potential and you're not going to pay it off till you're 50, probably not a wise student debt to take on, right? And student debt is a huge societal issue in the United States, um, but there are varying degrees of what's worth getting in debt for, right? If you're going to get a degree in something that literally has no outcome, no earning potential, mm, Probably don't want to be buried in debt forever and ever. Versus if you want to become, I don't know, a doctor, you know, medical school is going to take you a long time. There's a lot of debt associated with that, but the earning potential is substantial. Same thing with law school or business school, et cetera. So it's it's really a question of where does your career path um, lead, depending on what um, college studies you do. And then there's bad debt, and that's credit card debt. Um, usually they'll lure you in with 0% APR, you know, promotional stuff, and basically it feels like free money. You know, buy it now, pay way later. Somehow they have to make money. Well, they do. right? 14%, 17%, 25% interest, and you have to pay it back. And that's expensive, and it adds literally no value. You're literally just giving them free money. There's no tax deductibility, and it clearly means you're living above your means. So we'll talk about credit card debt uh, as something to avoid, like the plague, something to pay down as quickly as possible, and not to live off of a credit card. Um, Easier said than done in some cases, but that's the first debt to eliminate, is the expensive, tax-inefficient, living-above-your-means type of debt. We'll talk about taxes after that, savings, retirement, And actually, whatever is left over is the money you have fun with. So debt. Debt is basically when you're living above your means, right? Your expenses or money you borrow is way above what you can afford. And that's why you have to come back to this budget. What's your run rate? Are you actually at a deficit? Are you spending more money than you earn? Are you living off of credit cards that you're not paying off? Are you buying stuff that honestly you can't afford? and probably paying for it multiple times because you're paying the interest on it. And unless you have that document, unless you have a spreadsheet that actually tracks this, you won't know. And it'll feel, okay, oh, I'm paying off the interest you know, every month in the credit card. Well, that's just thrown away money, right? Especially at these ridiculous APR rates that they, you know, 0% down for the first six months, but then it jumps up. Or if you miss a payment, you immediately go to the penalty box, right? You miss a payment, it jumps up to 18, 24, 33% very difficult to get out of that. Once once that's happened, then you're chasing your tail to try and pay that down. So, that's the, the, the main thing is just understanding what's your burn rate versus your income and adjust your expenses so that you avoid credit card debt and bad debt. Living above your means. So, whether that's the housing you're living in, whether that's the food you eat, the clothing you buy, the trips you take, the entertainment you enjoy... It's nice and all, New York's outrageously expensive, but if you can't afford it, you shouldn't spend on it, right? Because you're just digging a hole and you will never get out of that hole if you don't start addressing it now. So the sooner you start, the sooner you will get out of the credit card debt kind of vicious cycle. Um, And once you've taken care of the credit card debt, then you've established a new plateau of what your living burn rate is. And from there, you can start to save and you can build from a stable base, versus just digging yourself a hole and having multiple credit cards. And that's the worst is when you have multiple credit cards that you've maxed out that you're paying interest on, and you're literally living from one interest payment to another. right? And that's really difficult to get out of. Very, very difficult to get out of. So we'll talk about uh, mortgages. So when you buy a house, you borrow money from the bank. These days, mortgages are very low. So for those of you who are thinking of buying, um, it's actually not a bad time. Although Real estate's gone through the roof uh, during, uh, during COVID, but it's a very good investment usually over time. So you borrow 80%. So you put down, let's say, I'll take a hundred thousand dollar, whatever, that doesn't exist in New York, but <laughs> if you buy a hundred thousand dollar home or apartment and you put down twenty thousand, you borrow eighty thousand, you then pay interest on the eighty thousand. And there are different types of mortgages, mortgages that you pay off over 30 years, mortgages you pay off over 10 years, mortgages where you pay interest later. There are all kinds of mortgages and something you should shop around, but interest rates are usually very low. They're between two and four percent these days on mortgages. So it's very affordable debt. And most of that interest is deductible. There have been some tax law changes, um, but a lot of it is deductible. There's some caps, but you can basically deduct it from your taxes, which means you're paying like a third less, depending on what your tax rate is. So if your tax rate is 30%, you deduct that from your taxable income. Um, And that can be particularly interesting because it really makes the, the mortgage a lot cheaper. And the house you buy, the apartment you buy, usually over time... In the United States, stuff appreciates. On average, over the course of the last 40, 50 years, real estate has appreciated 7% a year on average. Now, some some markets like New York has roared back. It's probably up 30% since COVID. Um, That's not normal. But over time, if you buy something, it will appreciate if you hold on to it for a long time. So it's a pretty good investment and it's tax efficient. So mortgage is something you will probably all contend with at some point or another in your life right? Shop around, talk to your banker, talk to your tax advisor. This is, an, this is probably the biggest investment you will ever make in your life, right, is a house or an apartment. So you want to shop around mortgages, and you're the consumer, you're allowed to shop around. You won't get locked in, but it's, it's an important decision, and it's, this is good debt. Now, of course, if you're flush with money, you inherit whatever, and you can buy the house cash. Why not? That may not actually be the best strategy, Right From a tax standpoint and an investment standpoint, sometimes you might actually want to take on mortgage as debt. So something to talk about with a tax advisor, um, with a financial advisor, with a real estate agent, um, but something that, given you know, how many years you guys all have, most of you have ahead of you, housing will be probably the biggest investment you'll ever make. Therefore, mortgage will probably be the biggest debt you will ever take on. Student debt. And I'll I'll show that in just a, I have a chart, I think, on the next slide. Um, we all know colleges are outrageously expensive, right? Um, and I think the projection, I think I have it in a couple slides, the projection is that colleges today are about $70,000, $75,000 a year for a four-year private college, and around, I don't know if it's twenty to 25000 a year for um, state um, colleges. And that will continue to outpace inflation. So by the time all of you either... Have kids that they go to college in let's say 18, 20 years, or some of you are about to go to college, um, it's it costs quite a bit of money. It's a big investment. And if you choose the right diploma, choose the right career path, the right skills that you're gonna acquire, that's actually good debt. Right? But something you want to work towards paying off. You don't want to have student debt lingering until you're 40. Right? Now, if you choose a degree that leads to nothing career-wise, it was interesting and all, but doesn't have much earning potential you're then stuck with a lot of debt and it's they aren't interest free i mean you're going to pay this off for you know years and years to come and that's not that's not good debt right so it's considered an investment but something you really have to think of what's the return on that investment and the investment is you your you know your college degree is where the debt um really the ROI on that is important yeah eric I've seen, well, so there are some, we'll talk about some alternatives to debt, because if you're really, really smart, they just give you money for free, right? That's what you really want is, therefore, work hard in high school, right? Get the free money. Um, student debt, I've seen 2 to 5%. Um, some of it is tax deductible, um, not so much for you, but for your parents, right? Usually the parents are the ones footing the bill for college. They can sometimes deduct um, some of the student debt interest, right? And then eventually, you're going to take it on once you leave the the household, uh, tax-wise, you'll, you'll pick it up. So they're reasonable, and a lot of them are government-subsidized. You know, so subsidized. Um, But still, think of it, if you borrow $40,000 times four years of college, because it's at least that, then you're in debt for $160,000 the day you graduate. And if you're making, I don't know, a good job out of college, you're making 100000 here in New York, uh, after tax, how do you pay off 160000 It's going to take you 10 years, at least. And tightening your belt. You're not going to be able to live high on the hog for a while, And then I said bad debt, right? That's credit cards. So go back to this spreadsheet where I said track everything. If you have credit card debt, get rid of it. That should be your number one priority. Other than getting a job, which is the only way to actually pay off the credit card debt, is pay it off. That should be the highest priority is to get rid of that bad debt. Get rid of the high interest rate and sacrifice for that. Just get that done with. And have a plan. If you owe, I don't know, $10,000 on the credit card and had some outrageous 24% interest, start paying it down systematically every month. Just have a plan, get it done, right? Or find some other source of lower cost interest, whether it's the parents loaning you money, et cetera, get rid of that credit card debt because that is just burning a hole in your pocket and not producing any value add whatsoever. So you need to get out of that. And in general debts are not things you want to hold on to for your entire life, right? There's good debt, but eventually you want to pay off your mortgage, right? So cleaning out kind of all the money you owe to various people. And that's true with friends. So if you owe money to friends, pay them back. If you agreed to an interest on that, pay them back with interest in a timely fashion. You will lose friendships over this. So don't lose friends because of money. So pay back friends when you owe something, do it promptly or Acknowledge the fact that, hey, I'm going to be a little late. I can't pay you, but I know I owe it to you. But get rid of that friend debt because you will lose friendships because of it. Banks, they're not going to be as nice. They will come and repossess the house. They will come and take your paycheck out of your bank account. They will put a freeze on your credit card abilities. Banks are, I mean, that's their job is to get the money. So no matter what, they will get it. And they'll push you all the way to bankruptcy if they need to. So don't tick off the banks. If you owe them money, you can always renegotiate, but at some point you have to pay them, right? And then schools, it's unless, you know, some of the legislation that's being proposed is to forgive um, student debt, that's unlikely to happen to the vast majority of people. So you're going to have to pay back to school at some point, right? They're not going to say, oh, you're a good student. We'll just let you get away with, (laughs) you had A's, you're good. Uh, No, they're going to want their money back, right? So paying off debt, paying off bad debt and paying off debt over time and keeping friendships, keeping the banks off your back, and paying back the school that you owe money to. Those are all things that you need to consider and prioritize. So there are different types of student debt. Um, this one here, you can basically donate your kidneys if you want. Um, this is a Babylon Bee, which I thought was very funny. Um, <laughs> that's not the way to go to college, <laughs> donating your non-vital organs. Um, if you're smart and have worked hard in high school, you will get scholarships. That should be a huge incentive to ace high school because colleges want smart kids and there are all kinds of scholarships and grants and you know, generous people who have left endowments to schools and they want to help people who are smart go to college and they don't want the financial thing to be in the way. So work hard in high school, get those great grades, get, you know, advanced placement exams, ACT, all this stuff. Nail that stuff because you will get scholarships. You can choose one college over another because of the scholarships. You might get a free ride for a four-year college. Um, Even places like, you know, Stanford out on the West Coast, the Stanford family that founded the university said that if your household income was less than $50,000 for the entire household, you had a four-year free ride if your grades were good enough. Four-year free ride at Stanford, one of the best universities in the world, if you have good grades and you just can't afford it. And if you have under 100000 of household income, you get 50% off for four years. Yep, Nichelle? Yep. Yeah, I mean, all, all the, I mean, all these schools that have billions in endowment, they have these programs because they want smart people to go to college and they don't want money to get in the way. So you will get a free ride if you're really smart. So be really smart work hard in high school. It pays off. People will literally throw free money at you that you don't even have to pay taxes on and you will go get a four-year free ride or a two-year free ride or a 30% off or whatever it is. Start with scholarships because it's free money that they give to smart people. So, invest in yourself by being smart in high school. Financial aid, so the universities will, they want to accept smart people, and then they will do a means test after they've accepted you. So you get accepted to some, you know, good school, and then they'll say, well, can you afford it? And you'll say, well, no, here's kind of the household income, I can't afford it. They will offer financial aid packages, which are usually pretty good packages, right? Um, Pretty low interest rate, and they will basically bridge the gap between what you can afford, what your parents can afford, and what you need to pay to go to school. And so that—that's the second best thing, other than free money, is when they give you very interesting financial aid. And so you shouldn't be scared to apply to really good schools if you're smart, have the grades, um, have the kind of the character to go to some of these really good universities, because they will help you financially. Their incentive is they have all kinds of money and endowments, you know, that's in the, in the background to get smart kids through their schools. So they will throw financial aid at you, and something you will want to pay off over time. But that's probably the best deal you'll find. What they'll also usually require, um, but something I would recommend is that you work in parallel with your studies. to work on campus. you can work at the library, you can work uh, in the, the food services, you can do tutoring. They're all on just uh, other stuff in whatever town you know the, the college happens to be in. You can get a job and work part-time, probably not full-time, but you can certainly work part-time while you study. That can be your pocket money, your fund money, but that can also be to pay down some of the financial aid. In some cases, schools will require you to do that. They'll say, we'll give you financial aid, but you have to work on campus. And it could be an administrative job. It can be whatever, a residential advisor. um, So you kind of run a dorm. um, And that can be ways for you to either reduce your tuition or get income. So yeah, it's work. But work, cheaper education, probably a good trade-off. Um, And then back to my original point, student debt, look at the earning potential, the income potential of the degree of the career that you're going down, that you're embarking upon, right? If it literally has no real realistic earning potential, is it worth getting in debt for $100,000, $150,000, $200,000 over the course of four years, something you will never pay off? So you really need to think hard about what do you want to do career-wise and then decide if it's worth Getting in debt for it. This might be a little hard to read there, but this I thought was uh, this chart just came out a few days ago. It's a NYU Stern a Business School professor. Um, the earning potential, your earning potential, is directly correlated to your education, unless you're born into you know ridiculously wealthy families, when, in which case you don't need a degree. But your earning potential is directly correlated to the level of education that you get. And over the course of a lifetime, this basically says that you will make $3 million more with a graduate degree than you would, for example, just sticking with a high school degree. It's a lot of money. So the encouragement here is not that you want to just live and work for money, but the earning potential to be able to live a decent life, give to your church, pay off your debts, raise your kids, plan for retirement, is directly correlated to education. So my encouragement to you is do well in high school, go to college, get degrees. If you're inspired to, or if you um, want to, go get a graduate degree, but it's directly correlated to the income potential you will have. Right? And it's a substantial difference over the course of a lifetime. By the way, there's an additional thing here that says, if you have a college degree, your probability of getting married goes up 30%. Smarter people, they get married at a higher problem. I don't know why, but, <laughs> but it does say, get a degree, you will have more earning potential, you'll pay off the debt, and you'll get married. That's apparently the correlation that it says right here. <laughs> um, but it, it, this is something to take to heart, right? If you're slacking in high school, get with the program. If you're not thinking of going to college, get with the program, go to college. If you're in college thinking of getting a graduate degree, go get the graduate degree, right? And the Bible says, invest in yourself, become wise, Education is that path, one of those many paths to wisdom. You can get wisdom from parents, from pastors, from the Bible, but education is the number one key to financial health because your earning potential comes from that. Yeah, Emma. So that's the, yeah, that's the point of what vocation, what career path are you choosing? The chances of making that level of money varies by career choice, right? So lawyer, doctor, engineer, whatever, those in the current kind of societal job market, yes, those are usually high probability of a good economic outcome. If you choose something... Where the only real outcome is either writing or teaching, you're you're definitely I mean, which is a great we need teachers, right? We need people to write stuff, we need teachers to educate the next generation. But the earning potential, unless you get a PhD and publish like crazy and go in the speaking circuit, you're gonna be limited. So that so if you choose hist I'll take history, for example, beautiful subject. The outcome of history is you can either write books or you can teach. Or you become a writer, like, but in a completely different field. You just happen to be a really good writer and, and love literature and, and et cetera. But you have to choose an outcome based on that degree that actually has a career potential. Thing, yep um, you can, If you love history, if you love English literature, if you love whatever it may be, you can step up and major in that. But I, what I would counsel is to do either a double major or a double major. I mean, the liberal arts college education is a wonderful thing. I mean, that, that that concept of just rounding out all of your these different whether it's languages, history, sciences, those are wonderful topics. But you kind of have to pick at some point a major or a minor that has an outcome potential, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, my father didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's, a, first of all, a wonderful um, alternative career path. The probability, the chances of that being able to kind of sustain a lifestyle, list in New York City, tough, right? The odds aren't, it's just like a musical theater, right? If you end up in the, you know, the premiering st- um, whatever, uh, crowd of uh, Hamilton, yeah, you're great. You're golden for the rest of your career. But how many people does that happen to? right? You have to look at the odds, the statistics. And yes, we need wonderful tailors. We need worksmen and artisans. We need, the society needs that. And it's beautiful when somebody is gifted at that. But those are tough career choices, right? Um, And usually what I encourage here is look at it generationally, right? I look at, my parents were both teachers. Their parents were either teachers or farmers. And before that, no idea, but probably, you know, I think my parents were the first ones to go to college of like, generations of people so I always look at it generationally can you either take the trade the family business the family trade and perpetuate that and keep growing it and pass it on to your kids or do you actually do the 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 step function like you'll be the first generation to go to college you'll be the first generation to get a graduate degree you'll be the first generation to whatever become a lawyer a doctor whatever Um, I encourage people to look at it generationally because that's the investment in actually the next generation if you can do that skip It'll pay dividends for your kids and grandkids. That's the way. And here again, it's it's a simplistic view, but I think you have to look at the long term. That's the, the change you're trying to make. You're trying to change the arc um, and trade vocations. You you have to think of what's the what are the steps you can do to improve that, or you have to take a different path. Emma, you had a, Did you raise your hand? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Nichelle. Mm-hmm. just came out and to change requiring more time, will come you a And, uh, and that's, first of all, it's not surprising. I think it's, it's a good thing, but it's, it's not an arms race, but I think every career path, other, just assume other people are going to get higher and higher degrees and you're going to be competing with them. So you have to get in the race, right? If you show up and you don't have the degree or you show up and somebody else has twice the degrees, they're probably going to get ahead of you, right? So anyway, it's a big investment. And that's, we talked about debt. It's good debt if it does lead to not only intellectual kind of opening up your mind and learning a lot of cool stuff in in college and graduate school, but if it leads eventually to a career. So to summarize on debt, um, you want to make sure that you have a plan to pay it off, right? Um, That should be your highest priority, particularly the inefficient, bad debt, high interest rate, credit card stuff, curb your, your expenses, but pay it off. If you have credit card debt, I encourage you this afternoon to go look at it and say, how quickly can I pay that off and never get into that credit card debt ever again, right? The the allure of this buy now, pay later stuff that's going crazy on everything from Amazon to wherever, don't fall into that trap. That's credit card debt. That's what it is. And they're going to charge you more for whatever you're going to pay for those Nike shoes or whatever it is, three times the price over time. So pay off the tax inefficient and expensive debt. And if you don't know what the tax inefficient debt means, come and talk to me. Mortgages are tax efficient because you can deduct it. Credit card is not. And make a plan, start paying it off. Every month, commit to I'm going to pay off an extra 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, but I'm going to pay it down and get rid of it. Sacrifice in the short term to get rid of that because it's costing you way more than what the initial credit card purchase was. And then do this trade-off, right? Do I want that extra Chick-fil-A or a new pair of jeans or whatever it is, or could I actually spend that 100 bucks on the jeans? Can I just pay down the credit card and get rid of it sooner? And trust me, the day you pay off that credit card, you will you know, burn the credit card statement, and it'll actually feel really, really good because that's no longer something looming over your head. And the good news is we live in a pretty um, competitive uh, society. Therefore, you can shop around. So whether it's your mortgage, shop around multiple banks. Just because you're with a certain bank today doesn't mean you have to get your mortgage with them. You can actually go to another bank and say, hey, I'll move my accounts to whoever, Citibank, instead of you know Chase, if you give me a better mortgage. They want that. They actually want you to become a lifelong customer of theirs because they know that you and then your spouse and then your kids will potentially become lifelong customers of that bank. Most people don't change banks. They usually inherit the bank that their parents went to right? But banks want to steal you away. They want to acquire new customers. And when you have a need for mortgage, for example, which is a big financial product, banks are going to get pretty aggressive. So shop around, right? And don't shop around with the credit cards. I mean, if you have a 24.99% APR, yes, get off of that one quickly and refinance it with like a 0% promotion, but pay it down, right? Don't just hop from one card to the next, Right. Find ways to get out of the expensive debt and use the competitive tension in the financial market, in the banking market, um, to get a better deal. You're, you're the consumer. You have the power to actually do that, so don't hesitate. Right. That's what mortgage brokers will do. They'll go shop around mortgages for you and present two or three different mortgages, and you get to pick. Okay, so that's debt. Any questions on debt? Okay. Let's move to taxes and how to legally minimized. So you're gonna owe taxes. It's you know part of the society, but it's also biblical, right? You have, you pay taxes. Now at the time, I believe we were talking about this, I think the taxes in the Roman Empire were like two or three percent or definitely less than five. Um, here in Manhattan, taxes are the highest in the country now. Um, I think the state plus municipal, et cetera, is like 14 point something, so we're even higher than California. And then you add federal, which are about to go up, um, you're over fifty percent in the highest kind of marginal tax rate, which is insane. Um, but yes, you, so you can choose to live in a different state, um, but you will not be able to avoid taxes altogether. Even if you move to Florida or New Hampshire, where there's no state or Texas, there's no state income tax. You're still gonna pay federal and you're still gonna pay social security and a whole bunch of other taxes that are in there. Right? So you can't totally escape taxes unless you move somewhere and give up your U S citizenship. Um, as U S citizens, you're, Tax on your global income. It's one of the downsides of American citizenship. Most other citizenships only tax you on income if you live in the country. So I'm French. Also, I don't pay French taxes, even though I have a French passport, because I don't live in France and don't have French income that's taxable. I lived in France, and the US taxed me on my French income. That's The United States is, I think, one of the only countries that does that global income tax. But American citizenship is so valuable that they can get away with it. Um, But that has been that way for a long time. But anyway, unless you rescind your U.S. citizenship, you're going to be paying taxes. So you can't opt out. So the first thing is don't forget to pay your taxes because they will come after you. The IRS tracks you down. So don't miss the deadlines. Make sure you know you know, April 15th or whatever. The, if that's a Sunday, it's usually they'll give you until the Monday. But make sure you don't miss those deadlines for when you have to pay your taxes. If you need to, file an extension, which pushes it out to October. Um, but make sure you're working with a tax professional who gets your taxes done on time. You know how much you owe or how much you might get back. But don't miss the deadlines because then you pay penalties. And that's just giving more money to Uncle Sam that Uncle Sam doesn't really need and you probably could use. Um, realize there are lots of layers of taxes there 's federal tax so that 's the u s you know nationwide tax there 's state tax new york state then there 's local municipal taxes like Manhattan or new york City um, and then there 's sales tax i mean you 're going to find taxes everywhere right and it 's uh, pernicious because it kind of slides into everything you do but there 's taxes on just about everything, um, and the goal is to try and minimize that right. Other things you'll see in your paycheck. When you start getting a paycheck, you'll see things like, you know, a whole bunch of acronyms. You'll see Social Security. That's a mandatory tax that we all pay. We contribute into the Social Security bucket. Eventually, you'll get some of that back. Don't count on it, or don't count on living off of it, but eventually you'll get some of it back. Or, you know, like 40 years from now, if you retire in 40 years. You're going to pay into Medicare. So that's, here again, another kind of social safety net program that is mandatory. You can't opt out. Of Medicare. State disability. You're going to pay for disability insurance. Even though you may never yourself be disabled, you're paying for other people who are. And it's an insurance, right? So if you break a leg and can't go to work or end up in a paralyzed in a wheelchair, that will kick in and will supplement some of your income. But it's insurance you're paying. Unemployment insurance. That's another one. So if you're unemployed, part of the unemployment benefits will come out of that pool that everyone's contributing into, particularly during COVID, a lot of that um, came in handy. Uh, it doesn 't pay your full salary, it 's not even minimum wage, um, but that 's another tax. And you just look at your paycheck, you will see probably 10 line items that just disappear, <laughs> and there 's not much you can do about it. Um, so you have to budget that in. Right? And the more money you make, the more taxes you pay. Some of these things get capped at a certain point, but overall, the more money you make, the more is going to disappear. And you, unfortunately, it's kind of a rat race. You have to (laughs) keep earning more to keep um, increasing your potential to, you know, live off of it. But you're going to pay more taxes, and the trend has been for higher and higher taxes. Uh, Certainly, you know, in in the Western uh, Hemisphere, taxes continuously go up. Occasionally, you get a new administration that drops them, but usually within the next administration round, they go back up, which is happening right now. So you are legally allowed to minimize your taxes, you won't go to jail if you legally minimize your taxes. So get a tax advisor. There's actually a Supreme Court uh, ruling that says it is perfectly legal to pay an advisor to tell you how to avoid taxes. The tax code is this ridiculously thick document, very complicated, very complicated, um, and accumulated over time with more and more layers. But there are loopholes. There are ways to deduct things, Ways way to avoid taxes. Use that to your advantage. Right? So tithing, we talked about tithing is tax deductible. Right? Other things you can do to minimize your taxes, you should use the full extent of the tax code to your advantage. So get a tax advisor. They're usually pretty good. They will find a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks that will come back into your pocket. And it's legal. Now make sure you get a good tax advisor. Um, But that's something almost every time I file my taxes, there's some surprise of, oh, I was able to deduct this or that or whatever. So get advice. And you can go to one of those, um, H&R Block is kind of one of those nationwide chains of tax preparers, or you can get a personal a- accountant or CPA. They will help you. Your taxes are probably not that complicated given the phase of life that many of you are in. Um, but get started now with a good tax advisor. They may just charge you 100 bucks, but they may, it may save you 1000 And by the way, the 100 bucks that you pay the tax advisor is tax deductible, right? Because it's tax advice. So you can actually deduct that from your, from your expense. So it costs you 30% less. Yeah, Eric, you had a question? If your taxes are simple, you could almost do them yourself with TurboTax, so buy a piece of software, and they're pretty good. I've done it quite a bit with that. Our taxes have become more complicated just because of the phase of life we're in, Um, and the fact that we lived in France, the U.S., so that's usually when you get a tax advisor, Um, and it can cost you, on the high end, it might be $10,000, but you're going to save like $50,000 50000 in taxes, and it's tax deductible. Um, for most of you, it might cost you 100 150 bucks if that, 75 bucks, or buy TurboTax, and even TurboTax sometimes is free online. They get all your personal information, so they're going to market to you afterwards. So you, <laughs> you're giving away some value, but that's the alternative. Is if you're early in life and you're not, you just have a little bit of income and some expenses and some tithing, you can probably do it on TurboTax. And I would encourage you to do at least once, do your own taxes, just to get through the don't just completely outsource it do it once yourself to understand how it works and to see you know they'll pop up different screens and they will say well did you have this kind of expense or did you do this and you'll be like oh i didn't know that was deductible right and you'll start to think through how does the tax code work so i would encourage you to do turbo tax or the equivalent at least once just to go through the motions um, it's interesting and it does educate you on how taxes work I mean, one of the screens will be gambling losses. So if you go to Las Vegas and you lose a ton of money at the you know, craps table, um, there's actually tax laws on this. Not that I'm encouraging you to go to Vegas and lose money. But if you do, um, there are um, tax laws around how much can you write off. Right? Same thing with stocks. You know, the, how much can you write off of a stock sale loss versus gains, et cetera. And you'll learn that through going through some of these programs. Whatever you can pay or save pre-tax is a key to saving a ton of money and avoiding tax. And uh, we'll talk about that with retirement. So putting money in an IRA or a 401k, paying things like medical expenses, pre-tax. So I'll try to explain the, the pre-tax. Let's say you get $100. If you pay a uh, medical expense of $5 out of the $100, it costs you the 5 If you pay taxes on the 100 right? let's say you pay 30% tax, you have 70, and you still have to pay five for medical, you're paying five out of 70, which is a much higher percentage than five out of 100, right? So the pre-tax versus post-tax dollars have a very different value. Pre-tax dollars are bigger dollars, right? To the tune of maybe 30% if your tax rate, state, local, federal, et cetera, is 30%. So paying for medical expenses, pre-tax. Retirement, pre-tax. Tithing, pre-tax all of those things actually give you a 30% boost potentially on your dollar. Right. That's, that's after tax, but the gains are tax free. That's, that's different. Um, but this is, this is the, anything you can do to pay before you pay uncle Sam is a very good thing. Right. (laughs) I get musical accompaniment during my financial time. (laughs) Um, the other, the other opportunity you have also is, and that's the, uh, to Jennifer's point, tax-deferred interest accrual. So things you can invest in and not pay taxes on until you pull it out, right? So um, IRAs, 401ks, 529 uh, education plans, you either will pay taxes later or not pay taxes at all. And that's a huge advantage, right? Just pushing out the taxes. Eventually, you might have to pay them, but you may pay them a day when your personal tax rate is actually lower. Let's say you retired, you have no more income, your tax rate actually goes down. And if you get money from your IRA, you may actually pay a much lower tax rate. So it's better to pay then 40 years from now than paying now. In some cases, it's the other way around. You now, many of you have a very low tax rate. So you're probably better off with what's called the Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, which is you pay the taxes first I see some people heard the word Roth. You pay the taxes now because your tax rate is 20% or 25% rather than paying it 40 years from now when hopefully your your earnings are high enough that you're paying 45% tax, but you've paid the taxes now. So that money is then tax-free for the remainder of your life. So those are some trade-offs that you need to look at. Talk to a tax advisor. You can talk to me about it. Um, For many of you, early career, first job, low tax rates, you're maybe better off paying the taxes now. And then just ride that for the next 40, 50 years. If you're already at a high tax bracket now, you're probably better off pushing it out, hoping that you'll drop in tax rates when you retire because you won't have income. Bottom line is get advice. Taxes are not easy, they're very complicated in this country. And buy the services of somebody who can give you that advice, right? Google stuff, search online and just get a tax advisor, get somebody to do the taxes for you. It's worth, I think it's worth the the, the time trade-off. Doing it yourself, you're going to pull your hair out. You're going to spend a lot of time. You'll probably make mistakes. The IRS will come after you. Better to have somebody else who, by the way, is guaranteeing that the taxes are error-free and they will pay for errors. That's also the other thing is you get them certified by somebody else and they, they will cover you. They have insurance for that kind of stuff, errors and emission insurance. That's taxes. And I guess we're going to, Wrap up next week. We will do savings, retirement, and hopefully get around to fun. Any questions on debt and taxes? Yes, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the IRS will find. They will find you eventually. You, you know, you, you'll get audited at least once in your life, just whether you're, you know, a high roller or not. Eventually, they will. They'll find errors. A lot of stuff's getting computerized. A lot of the documents that you provide, they already have. They already have your paychecks. They already have your W-2. They have your bank statements. They know all this stuff. Therefore, if you try and cheat, they're going to catch you. If you make a mistake, they will catch you. Usually, they'll be nice about it. And they may charge you a little penalty. Or you may say, "Oops, sorry, made a mistake." But that's why you go with a tax advisor uh, more often than not. The and. I'll wrap up um, next week when we go this um, kind of some basic personal administration stuff. Keep all the documents, PDF documents, or keep receipts, whatever. The IRS can go back five, seven years when they come and audit you. And you just want to have proof. They want to know that what you declared was actually the truth. So keep PDF documents of your bank statements, of your credit card statements, of your mortgage statements. Um, scan them if you don't want to keep, you know, the actual, like, credit card thing you get at the, uh, at a store. Um, scan them or track them in Quicken, but keep documentation. Because if you have documentation, they'll get off your back. The audit will go a lot smoother, and they'll trust that, okay, this person's on top of things. If you have no documentation, you have no proof, and they will pe- penalize you, right? Pardon me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Set so the house on fire. No, but I mean, we. I mean, I keep everything, I, and then I purge every whatever five or seven years. I get rid of all the receipts from you know seven years ago, because I know I don't need them. But I do keep them. And we've been audited when we moved to, to the United States. We got audited by New York State, and they wanted stuff to go back to two thousand. And I, was, I think it was two thousand nineteen. We were audited all the way back to two thousand sixteen, and I had to produce documents, and I had them. But that's another thing. I encourage you be organized. Right? Have folders, and just keep the stuff, or put them on a computer, and just. Put them in, PDFs cost nothing, right? You put them in a folder on your computer, it costs you zero. But you can search for them. Change the title of the, of the document so you know what it is. But keep proper documentation because that will keep the IRS off your back. Okay, well, if any questions or follow-ups, you guys know where to find me. Um, and we'll chat next Sunday about savings and retirement. Okay? Thanks.